Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Brian Weber with you. Hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. We will keep the verbal pyrotechnics going. It's officially a big word Tuesday. And hopefully by now when you hear me and have to deal with me, you know my approach. If I'm lucky enough to be in this chair, forklifted in already, I'm never going to bludgeon you with guests. In fact, today, we're supersizing your potential to be a part of the show. We're going with the skinny rundown. See what I did there? Just two guests along the way. And the first hour's wide open. In fact, we will not have a outside voice unless we take a phone call at 1-800-636-8686 cuz I'm certainly not putting my dear friend Garrett Ritt on the air. We will not expand the conversation Thank until you. 1:40 Eastern time when we talk NBA with Kurt Heedland, lead NBA writer for nbcsports.com. Understandably, NBA talk's going to dominate the program, but we will get to some baseball in the final hour when we say hello to the thoughtful baseball journalist Joe Sheehan. Check out his great work at joesheehan.com and the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. So, I am open to being interactive with you. I'm not going to go through my normal plaintive, help me, help me, help me, I'm a clone spiel, but... Because we now have summer rules and every fill-in host has a different approach, I'm selective when it comes to phone calls, but I did format the show with the real opportunities out there for you at 1-800-636-8686. You want to go old school, you can hit me up with an email, romanhaveatake.com. In all candor, Twitter's your best bet. That's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, and a reminder... As much as you want this show to degenerate into Romageddon and nothing but tweets and Toby in Houston resets, this is a monumental platform. We have a ton of NBA to get to. We're going to jump right in in a matter of moments. So I'm going to make sure we handle our business and address all the salient points across the NBA and everything else going on in the world of sports. But it is the jungle after all. So I'll try to maintain that sensibility. Coming up in 20 minutes, we'll get to your reaction. Be nice. Keep it succinct. With the caveat that Garrett Ritz is screening your tweets, meaning I'm going to get garbage because my former producer always is undermining me because we all know... Garrett Ritt thinks the Garrett Ritt Show should be on every day, not just his birthday, and he's already booking Howard Jones for an appearance after Thomas Dolby rocked the jungle last time. Ritt, that's the last acknowledgement you get. One last thought. Since we are a community here, a dysfunctional family, especially with the substitute pimp in the box, Jim's in Wisconsin, as you know, by following him on Instagram, we hope the Hall of Famer is having a marvelous time. Later in the program, because it is the summer, and I don't want to talk to Sean Watson today. I'm back later in the week. We'll get there on Friday with the mindset that maybe there's going to be an update on Monday because the federal judge that's handling the league discipline is asking for more information from both the league and the NFLPA and Watson's representatives. Since I don't want to venture into that really salacious subject today, and the goal is to have some levity, we will be focusing on the greatness of Joey Chestnut, an American hero, winning yet another mustard belt yesterday, and he did it despite having a ruptured tendon. You can have Willis Reed all you want, limping out at Madison Square Garden. I can summon up Marv Albert right now. Here comes Willis. What did Willis Reed do? He knocked out a couple jump shots and sat down. It set the emotional tone. I'm speaking as a long-suffering Nick fan growing up in the suburbs of New York City a long time ago. Compare that to the heroics of Chestnut coming out on crutches, Rupture tendon, and he had to fight off a protester. That's all coming up in the final hour of the program. But it occurred to me, because we're going to talk a little bit of competitive eating, and I have no knowledge what it'd be like to sit down and just devour piles and piles of food, right? Well, I'm less than 100%. My friend, the sciatica, 
came to work with me. So if I were ever to go on the Major League Eating Circuit, my handle would be Joey Sciatica. I've seen your avatars. When you send me the mean tweets, not a lot of Jack LaLanne's out there among the clones. Not a lot of Tony Little. So if you got a tip for me as to how to eradicate this throbbing pain, yes, in my leg, I'm open to your jungle suggestions because I know you're all doctors out there. And skip the obvious one, lose weight. Yeah, I'm working on it. And with that, I'm fat with a P. Let's make the move to the NBA. And I can understand if you already have a sense of, oh, I'm full of Kevin Durant. Like Joey Chestnut must have been yesterday, even though it was not a record-setting effort. I get it. To continue to strain this food simile and metaphor, I have a general understanding when the audience is full. At the same time, it's the most dominant story out there in the NBA, and this is the time of the year when the NBA proves its worth and its appeal to so many different levels of fans, especially you kids out there. I'm trying to stay hip. I'm trying to date younger as a cliche in Southern California in my early 50s. So NBA Twitter is lit. Is that still the expression? It's off the hook. And there's nothing better, especially when you can't get off the couch and you're rocking an ice pack on the 4th of July just to go through all of the bizarre scenarios and the fired up on steroid trade machine. Where is Kevin Durant going? And we're going to run through some scenarios coming up. If you are tired of this already... I got a couple things you should be aware of. And it's Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. Always a delight to be with you in the jungle. Phone calls available coming up in the second hour of the program. 1-800-636-8686. We'll get to your tweets in 15 minutes along with addressing the subject of villains in sports. I'm not going to force you to endure my tennis analysis, but you might be aware of a fellow named Nick Kyrgios, who's a bad boy on the court. And unfortunately now dealing with serious legal accusations in Australia. But you got Durant. You got Kyrie Irving. Are we back now in an era of peak villains in sports? That's coming up in 15 minutes. But if you're already exhausted by the Durant subject, here's the dilemma. Nothing is going to happen for quite some time because there's no motivation for the Nets to do anything. If you just want to get to a level of basic human nature, if you're Joe Sy, and what a fitting name that is, Joe Sy, because he believed it was going to work out with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, to a lesser extent, James Harden, who I'm going to defend. Speaking of the fat alarm, I took a lot of shots at him when I was here during the NBA playoffs, and now Harden looks like he's got a real Strong sense of business sensibility and acumen. But if you're Joe Sy and you have watched your franchise implode and you have already empowered Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to try this experiment of player empowerment and it all has blown up because of the fragile personalities, aren't you going to slow play this thing? For two reasons. Stick it to Kevin Durant. Make him stew a little bit. And we know KD is sensitive. Just go to Twitter. He's probably tweeting at me right now with a burner account because he's got apparently nothing better to do in no way undermining his talent. Transcendent player. One of the best we've ever seen. But a different dude. And that certainly applies to Kyrie Irving as well. And we'll talk about the potential that Kyrie comes here to Los Angeles, makes that Laker reality show all the more dysfunction all in a minute. But shouldn't we be thanking, from a sports context, both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for what is going on right now? Because in the absence of all the drama surrounding the Nets, soon to be the greatest team that never was, what else will we be talking about during this week of what is supposed to be frenetic activity across the NBA? Jalen Brunson to the Knicks. Okay, my goal is to fill in someday on WFAN. I can drop the contrived broadcast voice and sound like the kid that I was growing up in the Bronx. No G's need to be enunciated. But even if you're a Knicks fan and 
I'm happy for Brunson heading back to the East Coast. He was a heck of a player at Villanova. His father, you probably know, is an assistant coach. What a coincidence that is with the Knicks. But what does the addition of Jalen Brunson get the Knicks alongside Derek Rose on one leg and Julius Randle? Maybe the seven or eight seed? Nothing is going to change in New York until James Dolan sells the team or is no longer with us because he's the worst owner in professional sports. What else has gone on? Bradley Beal took the cash, grabbed the bag, as you kids say. But with that, what did he get? He's staying in Washington on a team that's not going to win anything. John Wall coming to the Clippers. How many of you have even thought about John Wall in the last few years? I'm pleased that he's going to have an opportunity to play. He was a wonderful player going back to doing the Dougie in Kentucky. Remember, that was a hot topic throughout Sports Talk Radio. When's the last time you saw John Wall play a full season? 2017. So, unless I can somehow conjure up the thespian skills of the great Brian Windhorst, And I'm on TV. I could do a poor man's Wendy with the long pauses. Rubbing my face. You're Danny Ainge. You're clearing cap space. Why? That was the greatest moment of performance art in the history of modern television. You might have heard of the thing called the EGOT. You win an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Give that all plus a... Cable Ace Award to Brian Windhorst. It's my favorite moment in modern television history. But what does that leave us with? We're still talking Durant, and we're still talking Kyrie. Now, to connect Wendy, going Lawrence Olivier, if you consider what Danny Ainge got for Rudy Gobert, we're talking Rudy freaking Gobert, terrific defensive player, That was the Herschel Walker equivalent in the NBA. He got a ton in return. So if that's now the precedent, if Gobert is worth a ton of picks and some players that can contribute right now, don't the Nets have to make that the baseline? Don't the Nets have to ask for at least that, if not more? Now, you could push back and say just because Ainge – was able to fleece Minnesota, and the T-Wolves don't know what they're doing. That has no connection or no consequence to what the Nets can get in return, but the market is always fluctuating, and the Gobert Hall that Ainge was able to come up with certainly now has made the Durant trade all the more challenging. So how long is this going to take? As long as the Nets want to, because remember, Durant – just kicked in that four-year contract. And he does have a no-trade clause. We understand how it works in the NBA. Superstars rule the league. The Nets are not going to send him someplace that he's not going to show up at. There'll be a consensus achieved. But because now this is so complex, in part because of the Gobert deal and everything that Utah got back in return— I'm not going to go through every weird permutation that is out there because this could be a three- or four-team deal. Now, if you just want to go the most straightforward route, the Warriors make the most sense. And let me do it for the second time in the first 15 minutes of the program. Speaking for NBA fans across the league and Warrior fans in particular as a former pre- and post-game host of the Golden State Warriors on TV and a longtime resident of the San Francisco Bay Area. Durant to the Warriors leads to this reaction. No! Who wants to see Kevin Durant on the Warriors? And most important, I don't think Kevin Durant wants to see Kevin Durant on the Warriors, so that's why it's not going to happen. But if we're just coming up with a fact-based analysis, clearly the Warriors have the most to offer, and these are quality assets. We just saw it on the road to the NBA championship in Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga. And James Wiseman, who is this unicorn because he only played a handful of games for Penny Hardaway in college and then had to sit because of the NCAA allegations about his recruitment and didn't play this year. So if you just want to 
become a GM in your own one-bedroom apartment. That's the way to put the deal together. Straight up, Nets, Warriors do business. But let's get back to reality. Even though I think that Steph and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green would sign off it, Draymond Green wants to yell at Kevin Durant again. Apparently that it was his favorite hobby when Durant took his talents to the San Francisco Bay Area. Owner Joe Lacob is in the venture capital business. They believe in disruption and not falling back on the assumed logic of status quo. Bob Myers is the most shrewd GM in all of basketball, I think. You can talk Daryl Morey if you want to as well. But those are all theoretical ideas. This won't happen because Durant does not want it to happen. Because if Durant goes back to the Warriors... It's a repudiation of everything he was striving to achieve. His motivation to leave Golden State came down to, I think, he got tired of Draymond Green yelling at him. And I don't blame him. I'm yelling at this microphone. I'm getting tired of listening to myself. We can have some of your input at 1-800-636-8686. Your tweet's coming up. That's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. But I think beyond the emotional element, the more significant part of the decision-making process for Durant to leave Golden State was he wanted to prove he could do it without Steph Curry and he could do it, quote-unquote, his way, like Francis Albert Sinatra. And how'd that work out? Because there's nothing wrong with wanting to be the architect. But when you build a house that cannot withstand a tremor, I'm not talking about a 4.3 earthquake on the Richter scale, If you build a house that a strong wind blows over because the foundation, this is a strain metaphor, is Kyrie Irving, that's on you. That's like Mike Brady, the architect, having a house with only one bathroom with six kids. It don't make any sense. And that's a responsibility of the dude who came up with the blueprint. And that was Kevin Durant, unless you believe somehow... Kyrie Irving, the master of puppets, the Kaiser Soze of the NBA, manipulated Durant. Remember, there was the notion they would go to the Knicks. Instead, they went to Brooklyn because they thought they could do it on their own. And they had this wacky notion that they could be part of a collective approach to running a franchise. Well, it wasn't just GM Sean Marks and a head coach that they handpicked. Because never forget, Kenny Atkinson was very respected in Brooklyn. Jacques Vaughn did a decent job as the interim head coach. But Kyrie, as he began his power play, pushed them out. And I think Kyrie and Durant looked around the league and said, okay, well, Steve Kerr is a good coach. Let's find another dude named Steve who played in the NBA. Oh, hang on. Who's that guy watching soccer? He used to hang out with the Spice Girls, I think, or Liz Hurley. Oh, yeah, Nashy, come on over. So the whole thing has been a debacle. And as I think about Kyrie's future, and we're going to hit the pause button on Kyrie, we're going to talk Lakers coming up at the start of hour number two. I have the cryptic tweet from Jeannie Buss. I don't know what Jeannie had in her mind when she was hitting the old Twitter machine. Where was a member of the Rambis family to tell her, put the phone down, we're having a good time on the 4th of July in Manhattan Beach in Southern California. But we will try to divine whatever message was going on with Jeannie on the good old Twitterverse. And we'll talk about the implications of Kyrie to the Lakers. Here's a preview. Certainly an upgrade from Westbrook because he can actually make a shot. And how about Westbrook to Brooklyn with Ben Simmons? You talk about the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Who's going to score on that team? But it makes the Lakers viable. It makes the Lakers a playoff team. But they're not sniffing a championship because LeBron has gotten human and older. And Anthony Davis can't get out of the street close. Okay. I have a lot more to get to with Durant. I have eliminated the Warriors from the list of possibilities. Coming up in 40 minutes, tipping off hour number two, I'll talk about more realistic landing spots. Miami, Phoenix, Toronto, and don't overlook Boston. That is coming up. No guest in this first hour of the program. So pick up the phone, 1-800-636-8686. 20 minutes because I've not had a chance to react to this. And you might have heard... 
because I read my academic resume far too frequently because I'm just that insecure. I'm an alumnus of two Pac-12 schools. How's that working out for me professionally? We're going to talk about the betrayal from USC and UCLA and the future of big-time college football. It's consolidating. Notre Dame's the white whale. Straight ahead, your reaction's coming up if Ritt decides to work today, and I don't see much going on on the other (laughs) side of the glass. We're talking bad guys. Say hello to my little friend. Because Durant and Kyrie Irving have embraced, seemingly, the role of wearing that black hat. They're not afraid to be villains. I mentioned the bad boy of tennis. I'm going to modify this take now with the legal issues of Nick Kyrgios in Australia. But he's had a great run at Wimbledon. And think about Draymond Green. Is there anybody who relishes you detesting him more? So, have we entered now the golden age of villains in professional sports? Brian Weber back with you. You're in the jungle. I'm in for Jim Rome, CBS Sports Radio. As always, a marvelous television simulcast on CBS Sports Network. You can hop aboard. I am open to taking phone calls in the second hour of the program. 1-800-636-8686. Your tweets and emails coming up in 15 minutes. I'm not going to belabor what you already know about USC and UCLA leaving my beloved Pac-12 conference, although it took me so long verbally to make the adjustment from saying Pac-10 to Pac-12, I can just go back to what was already in my mind. I want to spin it forward because college football now more than ever has been completely and thoroughly Involved with one thing and one thing only, the almighty dollar. And we've known it's a business for over a century. I have no delusions that it's been anything but effectively professional football. But the abject greed has been taken to a new level. We'll talk about that and come up with realistic scenarios for Notre Dame because that's now the linchpin for everything moving forward. We're talking bad boys and villains. Bad boys, bad boys. Alvin, what you're going to do? I'd like to verbally produce the program as we go. We rehearsed at 4 o'clock in the morning, but I did not have that ad lib at my fingertips. Hey, it's the official archivist of the program, or is it archivist? We'll figure it out. Am I going to the Caribbean or the Caribbean? Stephen H. Dow. Stucknut. Hey, Brian. It's great to hear you on a large scale. Well played. Kenan S.A. Webbs, I am shocked, shocked that KD and Kyrie didn't work out in Brooklyn. Yours, Van Halen's Gary Sharon. <laughs> what? Dick York and Dick Sargent from Bewitch didn't want that? When I was a kid, catching up on the reruns of Bewitch, one day there was one Darren, then he was gone. Now, it worked for me because we know he was married to a witch. All she had to do was wiggle her nose, but I'm a Dick Sargent guy. Let's discuss on Twitter. Alan tweeting, Al Lasco, B-Web, I'm here only for the McRib talk sauce me. Sign Alan in Manitoba on war. Ike screening this out. Yes, you writ. Put down the Swiss Miss. Hot chocolate is for close. that coffee down coffees for closes only and if we're gonna have a quick alec baldwin reset wonderful career idea to have woody allen on your podcast that makes a lot of sense right because alec's not had any pr issues as of late and i am the biggest baldwin wannabe in the world on a good day maybe i'm getting a billy reference after seven mcribs i'm in danny territory but alec's got to read the room better finally brian Pump the brakes on the Dolan take. He is not the worst owner in sports. Daniel Snyder is Dolan's the worst owner in the NBA. Pat in Portland adding sanity to the program. Pat, you're right to a degree, although I worked for Jimmy Dolan because he was able to have a rich father who got into the cable TV business at the right time when money was laying in the street, and James, let's just say, enjoyed every moment of it, and you know what he's done to the Knicks, the Rangers somehow less affected by all of his meddling and paranoia. But yes, I'm going to give you credit, Pat in Portland. Dan Snyder, 
is the worst owner in all of sports. And that's a lovely transition to villains. And here's what got me thinking about bad boys in sports or just people who seem to revel in you not liking them or let's move beyond that. Detest. I don't like the word hate, but we can use it in a general sense with the haters out there. I was reading yesterday an actual sports book, one of these old lists of, believe it or not, and hey, Johnny Vandermeer had back-to-back no-hitters. Yes, I have a scintillating social life on July 4th. And I came across this nugget, George Steinbrenner, Al Davis, both born on the 4th of July. Interesting, quinky dink right? Because... Both of them were reviled in so many quarters. Both of them, though, love being the bad guy. Right now, I can conjure up the image of Al Davis standing next to Darth Vader. Not the Darth Vader who Joey Chestnut had to beat up yesterday at Coney Island. We'll get there in the final hour of the program. But because I've already told you that I'm no longer 28, long way removed from 28, when I was developing my sports fandom, felt like we had a group of athletes who enjoyed being booed and, in fact, were motivated by your quote-unquote hate. Pete Rose put the gambling stuff aside. He loved coming to Shea Stadium and all the people who would mock him when he would sprint down to first base drawing a walk. Remember, Charlie Hustle was not a compliment. When he showed up at spring training, the vets said, what are you doing, kid? Slow down. Hence, Charlie Hustle. You want to talk about a villain move? Destroying the career of Ray Fossey, who I worked with on the Oakland A's broadcast team, in an exhibition, no less. Took him out in the All-Star game. Never apologized. Why? Pete's a villain, along with being a degenerate gambler and a man who lied to the American public for 40 years. Reggie Jackson loved your hate. He lived for the booze. Then he'd hit two home runs, and he'd take your girlfriend after the game as well. So there was an era in sports with the Broad Street bullies in hockey, even the bad boy Pistons in the 80s. I don't want to go back to 1975 when it felt like there was a subculture of people who wanted your quote-unquote hate. And then we went through an era in which, say, Michael Jordan didn't want to be polarizing because famously Republicans buy sneakers too. And I know he was talking about politics, but Jordan was trying to sell you everything he could. Well, now... I think we've seen the pendulum shift back to when I first fell in love with sports as a seven, eight-year-old kid growing up just outside New York City. Because I mentioned Kyrie. I mentioned Kevin Durant. Is there anybody who seems to love your resentment more than Draymond Green? Draymond Green could be the best villain in all of sports right now. And now he's got a platform. So it's like the guy who was tying up the damsel in distress with the railroad coming down the tracks also has a microphone clutching it in this hand if you're watching on television, and he's doing the live play-by-play. Draymond is so popular, he could run for mayor in San Francisco and still have the rest of the state and the rest of the nation quote-unquote hate him. But it got me thinking about other people now that seem to revel in your disapproval. I have done professional tennis as a broadcaster for 19 years. I'm not going to force you to appreciate tennis, but flipping around, there's a fellow named Nick Kyrgios who is reminiscent of the attitudes we saw from Elena Stasi, John McEnroe, Jimmy Connors. Tennis is much closer to boxing than you think. It's me against you. And in the 70s and 80s, dudes almost got into fights on the court. Because they didn't care about the perception, and they were that in the moment. Kyrgios crosses the line. He's got mental issues by his own admission, and I'm not in any way being critical of people who are dealing with those challenges. Unfortunately, and thankfully I was able to do some research this morning, Nick Kyrgios, as he prepares for a quarterfinal match of Wimbledon, has also now been made aware that he's facing a legal case at home in Australia with charges that allege he grabbed the former girlfriend towards the end of the year. So I got to pump the brakes here because I had thoughts on Kyrgios. Now I'm, I'm backing away. Remember, these are allegations, but we take all of these allegations very seriously. Still, here is somebody who is not at all concerned with what you think about him. And it got me thinking, what's changed? And the answer is social media. Because... 
years ago, those of us lucky enough to be in chairs like this, holding microphones like this, were gatekeepers. And we shaped your opinion, and to a degree, especially on a platform like the one that Jim has worked so hard to build, the most important show in our business, sports commentators, for lack of a better term, still can shape and modify opinion. But athletes now can speak directly to you. Kyrios has a huge social media following. Young people always gravitate towards what mom and dad say, don't watch. And if you're 13 and your old man says, that guy's a punk, turn off the TV, you're going to love that guy. Because you want to go the other way. You want to be your own person. So I, I don't know that necessarily it's all about monetizing and following the money, which is certainly driving everything in college football. But it just occurred to me, and maybe I'm digging too deep here, that it feels like we've had a renaissance, a resurgence of people who appreciate you not liking them. Think about baseball. Bryce Harper is a good villain. I know he's hurt. But he's old school. And anybody who can come up with a gem like, that's a clown question, bro, is good in my book. Bill Belichick, probably the greatest villain of them all, back to Darth Vader. And you can bash him. You could call him Belichick. But if he was available and he came to your team, don't you think you'd have a different view? You'd see him as a savior. And if we're talking villains, who's a bigger villain? And I don't know that this description is apt nor a good summary of all of his issues, but who's a bigger villain than Daniel Snyder? And I think that's too narrow a view because he just seems like a truly bad individual. And as we wrap it up, what is taking the NFL so long to make their move against Daniel Snyder? However you view Roger Goodell, he earned a good chunk of that $50 million by sitting on that Zoom call and enduring the inane questions from members of Congress. But do you think he enjoyed that process? Do you think he wants to go through that again? And however you view your tax dollars being spent by the House of Representatives, when Congress is on your trail, typically there are results. So it only seems like a matter of time. That the league, and remember it's the owners, and they don't want to push out one of their own because someday then the rest of them gang up on somebody else. But it feels like only a matter of time before, in my mind, the biggest villain of them all finally faces league justice. It is overdue for Dan Snyder to be severed from the Washington football team beyond not only tolerating, but embracing a racial slur for far too long. You know all of the horrendous allegations going on in Washington, D.C. So if I'm coming up with the biggest villain right now, and I don't think I've fully captured just how bad a dude he is, it's Dan Snyder. And that's, I think, the biggest off-the-field story after we get resolution with Deshaun Watson what does the league do with Daniel Snyder? I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. Phone calls a possibility. Next hour of the program, 1-800-636-8686. Your tweets always welcome. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Back to the NBA in 20 minutes, talking about more logical landing spots than the Warriors for Kevin Durant and the latest on Kyrie Irving's desire to reteam with LeBron and be a member of the Lakers. Straight ahead, we're talking college football. What does the strength coach at Oklahoma State getting a raise to a million dollars a year? I'll say that one more time. The strength coach at Oklahoma State is going to make a million bucks this year. What does that have in a common million. with USC and UCLA heading to the Big Ten? Just follow the money. Spotlight the grand old game of baseball with Joe Sheehan, who has written for many national outlets, including Sports Illustrated. Now has his own shingle, which I admire. Anybody who can bet on themselves, check out his terrific work, joesheehan.com. Your reaction coming up in 20 minutes. I'm giving the phone number out for a reason, not just because I'm a radio guy clutching the microphone, traffic and weather together. 1-800-636-8686. Here's the dilemma, my conundrum on a big word Tuesday. It's up to Rit to put you in the rotation. And so far... The fill-in executive producer 
is performing as well as he did when he drove the last version of the Brian Weber show that was on the air into the ground and got us canceled. Somehow, Ritt, though, keeps failing upward like a CEO being passed around from boardroom to boardroom. He's telling me there's nothing available for me. Now, my question is, and I'm not that technically proficient, and that's the first time the phone's been lifted, and we've been on the air for an over an hour. If one does not screen the calls, if one does not answer the phone, how does one know the phone calls aren't good? I know you have ESPN and the deuce. You can really conjure up the sentiment of this audience, but do not jump on me on Twitter with your tweets coming up, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, that you did not get on the air because I structured the program for phone calls. Ritz says no. I will give you one more tweet as a preview of what's coming up in the final hour of the program. Thank you, Garrett. Great work as always. We're going to spend a couple moments on a true American patriot, Joey Chestnut, on crutches, ruptured tendon, fighting off a protester, and still won the coveted mustard belt yesterday. Didn't get to another record, but had 63 dogs, don't forget about the buns, devoured in 10 minutes. One quick thought from Craig and Sun Valley, who really is taking this far more seriously than I had ever intended. B-Web, I have zero respect for Joey Chestnut and his digestive abilities. His brass colon aside, though, I had to be impressed with the rear naked choke he slapped on that Darth Vader protester in between bites of processed pork innards that will keep said colon busy until July 15th. Submission attempt of the day, Dana White throw him 50 grand. I didn't think I would have a couple colon references throughout the day, but you never know what you're going to wander into in the jungle. Let's make the move back to the NBA. So, our number one featured, hopefully, a view that's the consensus around the NBA. Nobody wants to see Kevin Durant go back to the Warriors. I realize all of the sense that it makes strictly from an asset standpoint, and the Warriors can say, okay, let's negotiate this, Brooklyn. Here's what's potentially available. Jordan Poole. The resurgence of Andrew Wiggins, who was an all-star this year. Jonathan Kaminga, athletic big man. And then James Wiseman is this unicorn. We know how good he was in high school. Only had the cameo playing for Penny Hardaway in the one year of college. And the NCAA got involved injured this year. But to make the cap work, now we're talking about other teams getting involved. And everything I read somehow has Donovan Mitchell. I don't know. I'm not going to call him Spider, unless we're doing good fellas, right? Get your shine box out. Donovan Mitchell winds up in Brooklyn, back home in the New York Tri-State area, and clearly Danny Jane, Danny, Danny Ainge, I'm not going to do the Brian Windhorse bad impersonation again. Danny Ainge is blowing things up in Utah, as he did in Boston years ago, and he got so much in return for Rudy Gobert. That's why the Durant deal is going to take much longer, I feel, and... There's even more pressure now on Brooklyn GM Sean Marks to try to get the Kings ransom because Danny Ainge was able to fleece Minnesota. But I also wanted to make sure we didn't do three hours of all Nets talk all the time. So as I surveyed the landscape, thinking about how I wanted to approach this program, I have newfound respect for James Harden for a few reasons. He realized instantly it was not working in Brooklyn. And if there's one thing that James Harden is good at, well, there's a few. Eating wings, apparently. Selecting the best club to go to after the game. And quitting on teams, as he did in Houston and Brooklyn. But this one I'm going to defend. He summed up the situation in Brooklyn in a hurry and said, get me out of here. And that largely was hinging on Kyrie Irving. I don't want to go through the entire litany of things that makes Kyrie one of the strangest dudes we've ever seen in professional sports, but let's just keep it focused on Brooklyn. Remember when he said, I won't have the direct quote, I'll give you the paraphrase, about the rest of the roster beyond the quote-unquote big three? That was the best team that never was. 
Well, the rest of these guys on the roster really aren't that important because they're not going to be here that long. Now, if you are player 8, 9, and 10 on an NBA roster, you know your role. You know you're there just to eat up minutes. You don't need one of the faces of the franchise saying the quiet part out loud. And we could go through everything else, including his vaccination status that led to the implosion of this franchise before it ever got going. So Harden, to me, has shown business savvy. Now, maybe it comes down to he has a handful of people he trusts, among them Daryl Morey, because they had the relationship in Houston. Harden clearly believes that Morey is going to improve the situation in Philadelphia, so he opted out to opt back in, giving this team more flexibility. According to reports, he's actually found the gym again. An amazing idea. Perhaps could be inspirational for some of us. Not going to point any fingers inside the jungle. And you look at the roster. I like the addition of P.J. Tucker. Veteran role player. Gives you toughness. We know that Maxi came on last year. Everything now swings around the health of Joel Embiid, who unfortunately is never fully healthy. But that's a situation I like. I want to make sure that especially as a fill-in host, I don't come in and just say everything's terrible. Because when you have your baseline of it all sucks, how do you go lower than that? How low can you go? Now let's talk about the Lakers. And I have to try my best to decipher whatever genie bus was tweeting about 48 hours ago. And I'm not going to read the whole tweet because it doesn't make any sense. But the synopsis would be, Jeannie went to Twitter to express, and if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, our terrific production team will let you read along. Jeannie Buss went to Twitter to detail how much she misses Kobe Bryant and that the late, great Black Mamba were he still with us, would understand what was going on with the team because he appreciated team goals. So, like everybody else now, we play America's favorite game show. What does that tweet mean? Is Jeannie taking a shot at LeBron, Anthony Davis, Westbrook, Kyrie before he even gets there? Is this a preemptive tweet saying, hey, If you want to wear the purple and gold, with great power comes great responsibility, Peter Parker. I think it was an appeal to Laker fans saying, if Kobe were with us, he would tell you it's all going to work out. Just like my old man, if you watch the HBO show Winning Time, knew his way around the Playboy Mansion, I know how to get us out of this morass we're stuck in. I think... I don't know. Maybe Jeannie, like the rest of us, was having a good time on a holiday weekend and decided to get philosophical. But that's where the Lakers are at. This is their owner tweeting that. And all of the beautiful mystery, to paraphrase what Aaron Rodgers took us through a year ago. And where is Aaron? I have not mentioned Aaron Rodgers in months. Now, the good news is I'm back later in the week. He's playing celebrity golf in Lake Tahoe. And he'll say something mystical that I can try to figure out what in the heck he's talking about. But the Lakers remain a reality show with virtually no relevance on the court. And that's, to me, the only positive in picking up Kyrie Irving. Yes, he would be an upgrade, and we'll talk about it in detail in 30 minutes when we get the analysis from Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com. Clearly, he would be an upgrade over Russell Westbrook because he can actually make a shot. Russ has seen his game slip away, and I'm not going to kick a guy while he's down, but when you lose it, you don't get it back. And he makes over $40 million a year. So there's the salary issue as well. Lakers would love to get Kyrie with the expiring deal because that gives you so much more room to maneuver in the NBA. And if we're just talking, and we rarely do this anymore in modern sports talk radio, actual X's and O's on the floor, yes, Kyrie is a better player than Russ. When available, 
And that's the biggest issue for Kyrie. You have the vaccination status. And I don't talk politics, especially as a fill-in host, but I live here in Southern California. If you're paying attention, and I know what's coming later this week when the latest COVID numbers are released after a long holiday weekend, numbers are climbing here in the L.A. area. We have very rigid protocols in the past. Okay. Do you think there's a possibility Los Angeles has a vaccination requirement to step foot inside the Laker arena, which has a crypto name for the next 10 minutes before the rest of the market tanks? I'm freestyling here to a degree, but that's one other issue to factor in. But let's put that aside because it's holiday week and I want to keep things upbeat. How much can you trust Kyrie Irving? Do you remember when Kevin Durant was offended by that headline from a newspaper in Oklahoma City that called him Mr. Unreliable, talking about a basketball evaluation? Well, who's more unreliable than Kyrie Irving? And I get the pushback, Laker fan, and you can give me a call, 1-800-636-8686. If you're not putting the flag back on your car, getting ready for the arrival of the chosen one, the Southern California, I get the logic that LeBron can make Kyrie work on the floor, and they worked brilliantly together. I remember what happened in Game 7 of the 2016 NBA Finals, and I remember just how critical Kyrie was. It was not only LeBron in that comeback for the ages. Kyrie was dynamic. And yes, they would be very complimentary on the floor. I'm talking about everything else that comes with Kyrie, who forced his way out of Cleveland because he did not want to be, quote-unquote, the little brother of LeBron anymore, who forced his way out of Boston because he wanted to team up with Kevin Durant. How'd that work out? Boston made it to the finals without him. Boston had successful playoff runs without Kyrie Irving. Now he's forcing his way out of Brooklyn just because he's Kyrie Irving. So you're dealing with a lot of baggage. And it could be Prada or Louis Vuitton. Fill in the blanks. Or I'd get the knockoff because I'm cheap. Do you think Kyrie is going to be any different when he comes to the Lakers just because LeBron, when he's not drinking red wine, and making bad remakes of movies that should have featured Jim Rome like the original Space Jams, you think that LeBron is going to take the time to try to counsel Kyrie, or is he just going to hope that he shows up the majority of nights, and even that would be a huge step in the right direction because Kyrie rarely plays. I'm not going to bury you with the minutia, but over the last three years, he has been M.I.A., And now that'll just be MIA in SoCal. So, yes, it would improve the franchise if you can make it work. And, yes, if you got to throw in Joe Harris and all of the money still left on his contract, okay. But what's the net-net? What does it really get you? And I didn't even try to be clever there. Coming from the Nets. What's the bottom line? Lakers become a playoff team. Do you think that they're better than the Warriors? No. Are they better than the Suns? Not currently as constituted, but we got to figure out where DeAndre Ayton's going with the sign and trade and the real possibility, although I don't think it's going to happen, but we're playing the hypothetical game that Durant could come to Phoenix. What about Denver? Would Jokic get in the big money deal and another MVP season? And can Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray ever stay healthy? I'm here in L.A. I deal with delusional Clipper fans reminding me that John Wall is a good pickup on the margins. And at some point, presumably, Kawhi Leonard's going to play professional basketball again. At least that's what the reports say. But when he comes back, can he stay healthy? So overall, I didn't even talk about the Grizzlies, although underreported. Jaron Jackson with the foot surgery out four to six weeks. But we love what John Morant and company had done. Even if the Lakers get Kyrie, this is not the panacea because it doesn't change three key components. Kyrie will still be eccentric. How about that? He's a different dude. You can come up with your own adjective. LeBron will still be aging. And he was a cyborg for the majority of his career, but you can't go to 
all of those finals and play all those minutes for your country in international competition without the wear and tear popping up. And unfortunately, unless he's a faith healer, and Kyrie may have those mystical powers, just ask him, he can't heal Anthony Davis. And even Kevin Garnett, of all people, and I respect Kevin, I think he's immensely entertaining on his podcast, was calling out Anthony Davis the other day saying, where's that MVP? We all thought you were going to win, A.D., when you came out of Kentucky. I covered that Final Four, Superdome in New Orleans. If you have never seen Anthony Davis in person when healthy, I know that's the unicorn, a double rainbow. But I saw him play in that Final Four with a decent seat. Remember, Anthony Davis was a guard in high school, growing up in Chicago, didn't have that big spurt of extra growth until his last year. So he has the handle of a guard, and he's a big man. Problem is, you are what you consistently do, and unfortunately for Anthony Davis, that's get hurt all the time. So it's better for the Lakers. They'll be back in the conversation. We're going to talk about them either way because they are the Lakers and because their owner is tweeting like the Zodiac Killer. I don't know what, and by the way, whatever happened to Zodiac, with all of you DNA experts out there, all the internet sleuths, you're telling me we can't figure this one out? I was just in San Francisco walking around thinking this is the unsolved mystery, and I'm not making light of any of the tragedy, but we know everything about everything now. Why don't you people stop tweeting me or calling Rick because he's not going to answer the phone, obviously, and solve that crime of the century. But the Lakers are the gift that keep on giving. And you throw Kyrie in there and that Bula Bays, that stew of weirdness and big personalities gets even spicier. Okay. We'll get back to the NBA in 20 minutes when we say hello to our first guest. That's Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com. It'll be the focus of how we start the final hour of the program. I owe you more logical destinations for Kevin Durant than the Warriors. Miami makes sense to a degree, but they're not giving up Jimmy Butler, right? Presumably. Good night now! 